Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome to Wild Black. Appreciate you coming back to us, tuning in. Uh, in in the same fashion, we got um we got a hell of a show for you today, man. Uh, if you remember Eklund from um our episode about rights and interacting with the police, we got a guest today who is every bit as raw. And I, I promise you, this is going to be a good one because so many of you all, I have no doubt, have been wondering what law enforcement thinks about what's happening today. We're going to get into our guest in a few minutes, but I just wanted to kind of kind of warm you up a little bit, uh, hit you with a couple of things. Please, please, please share this podcast. Share with your friends, share with your family. You know the spiel. Hit iTunes, Google Play, whatever platform you're using to listen. Give us a review. Highlight us, push us. That helps us grow. And always hit us up on our social media. You can hit us at Facebook, at Wild Black Podcast. You can catch us in our email, uh, Wild Black Podcast at Gmail. Talk to us. We want to know more what's going on, what topics you want to hear, and we're going to keep it rolling. Today's another real one, and we're going to make a lot of noise just like we did before. So our guest today is real. I, I, I can't say nothing else. Uh, his background, you know what? I'm just going to let Art tell you about it. Go ahead, brother. Man, so so check it out. So our guest today goes by the name of Mac. Um, he grew up in Philly and knew from an early age that he wanted to work in law enforcement. Man, that's that's dope right there. Want to work in law enforcement at an early age. Growing up, uh, he had a similar experience to many of us, uh, and he saw both the good and the bad and the horrible come out in his neighborhood. And if you grew up in the hood, you know you know what that looked like. If you grew up in the suburbs, you know a little bit about what that looked like. But you heard. Right. Uh, he knew he wanted to be a part of the change in this world that the world actually needed. True to his dreams, he found his way to the world through law enforcement. First as a federal border patrol agent, which is which is so relevant right now because right? it's a lot going on with Trump and this whole border patrol thing. Um, and later as a U.S. air marshal. Which is which is crazy because you think about nine eleven and when the air marshals got really really big, right? And you, and you know how tough and real air marshals are, right? So just imagine a brother we got in the studio with us today, right. a brother. Uh, so he has since moved on from law enforcement, attained his law degree from Emory Law School, what in Atlanta, and now works in his capacity to protect and help those that our society tends to criminalize and marginalize. So let's welcome Mac. To the to the to the stage with us today, brother. What's welcome, What's welcome, happening, everybody. I appreciate the invite. Definitely appreciate being here with you fellas today. Let's get into it. Cool. Yeah. So before we jump in, we, we want to do a little little warm up session. But okay. before we do that, just just hand the mic over to you. And anything you want to tell the people before we start? Man, it's time. True. People all over the world. It's time. We've been singing about it. We've been marching about it. We've been protesting about it. Some of us are active and focused and driven in ways that lend to the conversation, but more importantly, give guidance to the people in the community on how we can create lasting change. Um, and I think sitting here with Vincent Art, you know, it's, it's a powerful thing to have a platform where you can reach people where they are. 
Amen. As opposed to uh, trying to search for a forum. It's like water. Right. It's coming through the airwaves. Water going to slide in any way it can get in. Right. And and when you mm. think about this medium and how we can talk to each other in a language that we understand, the, the powerful effect that that can have. Um, I have a personal saying, and it's educate, advocate, and engage. And I don't think as black people, black Americans living in this country or traveling globally, contributing to the world economy, contributing to uh, our nation in every way and every facet, giving back to a nation that never was loyal to us, that never showed us love. But yet we still, as Americans, feel patriotic, feel feel a need to give of ourselves to a country and try to have faith in the idea that we can create some lasting change that goes back to the dreams of James Baldwin, George Carver Washington, Big and, and all the rest of those folks on whose shoulders we stand. It is incumbent upon us to take every opportunity that we have to speak to another person, not necessarily that looks like us, but to have a conversation with those around you so that you can hope to imbibe just a little bit of, of the humanity that's in you into somebody else and speak that positivity, but understanding that we still have a great deal of work to do. Amen. Man. Right? That's that's real there. That's powerful. Hit him with a little bit of that humanity. That's it. Humanity. That's it. You can do anything to people when you don't feel like they're human. Right. Man. When you don't right. see them as people. Yep. Right? You can do anything. History has been a guide on that. Um, the one eye-opening thing about Donald Trump, and I hate to say his name, so I call him 45. Same. Like most. Trump, 45. Right. 45. The, the, the only benefit to his existence is that it, it gave you an insight. Those of us that were comfortable because we had decent jobs, wear nice clothes, we don't have to cross the street anymore. We stopped looking at the system. We stopped holding the system accountable. We got comfortable and we were content. And then we came outside of ourselves and the idea of community effort and community movement to, well, as long as my household is cool, I'm good. Yeah. I don't even need to know my neighbors. Yeah. My kids, they got clothes on their back, food on the table. They got on the latest pair of Jordans. We forgot about the village. We, we forgot about the village. Yeah. Right? We went out as warriors, scavenging and foraging, found a little something, and just stayed tight and kept it to ourselves. Right, and thought it was Didn't just about bring us. It back. That's mm -hmm. right. That's right. We holding back. And Donald, this presidency has shown us that we haven't come as far as we thought we had. Right. Right. And if we if we stay in the box that we're in, they're going to take us back. Correct. Him and all the people that support him. Correct. <clears throat> and you're starting to see them come out the woodwork. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and crazily enough, we sat back. Everybody watched the election. I'm sitting there with my wife watching the drone, and she just got quiet. They started announcing the first few votes coming in, and he wasn't down by crazy margins. Mm -hmm. He was looking up. She said, this fool going to win. I was like, nah, babe, I can't even go with you. I can't, I gotta, I can't even see I it. I can't even. I, we got to be better than that. Bro, I can't. I couldn't right? go either. We got to be better than that. I couldn't believe it. Right? We, then we got this going on. We dealing with Trayvon. We dealing with Jordan. We dealing with, you know, all these brothers getting killed out here, so on and so forth. We can't go back. Although Obama 
as beautiful a person as he was, as good a president as some of us believe he was, he didn't do contrary to what folks that don't really know or right. look objectively at what he did. He didn't come out and do things just for the black community. Right. Obama right. came out and did some things that he thought were gonna was gonna help humanity. People right. and, and humanity. absolutely the and race. It didn't always reconcile with what we as a community thought that he should be doing. Correct. Right. However, the beauty in our people is we're forgiving people. Right? Be compassionate. Right? Contrary to yep. all the radically social, compassionate, yes. Yeah. Right? Contrary to all the social stereotypes and, you know, the the media painting us to be hard and animals and, you know, animalistic in our tendencies and dope dealers and criminals and murderers, not giving any respect to the fact that that's a small fraction of who we are as a people. You look around, you see black folks walking around you every day, working around you every day. Yep, it's These a, are the people working. Fraction. Right. Yes. <laughs> These are the people working two and three jobs to feed their kids. Right. You know, then going home and doing homework with their babies, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to make sure that they don't live a life we saw coming up from the late 70s all the way up through the 2000s, all the dope game, right? I yep. came up, I was a kid in the 80s, coming up, drugs ravaged our neighborhood. Right. The whole game, right? So you a kid, major city, major inner city, urban community, you got to come outside and play. Right, you stepping over crack vials. You know all the fiends because they all the people you saw in your neighborhood coming up. Mm -hmm. Right, you know the pushes because half of them you knew coming up. Then we get into the late eighties. You get the drug wars, the Jamaican gangs coming in. I came from Philly, Philly crazy JBM, the whole nine, all that going on. Cats we knew, right? So you know everybody from murderers to preachers, and you seven, eight, nine years old. That's a hell of a line. You everybody from saying? murderers to preachers. And, and you're sitting here right. and you're looking at your community being ravaged. Police ain't coming around. And when they do, they hook up a couple people and bounce. Nothing, nothing really happened. In a Clinton, right? In the 90s. Whoa. Omnibus drug bill. Man, we that was put 100,000 police on the streets. Right? Serious contradiction. Yeah. I grew up in the projects down 56th Street. My grandmother lived further up West Philly, Parkside. So I'm playing between my house down 56th Street and the Jacks. My grandma's up in the hood in West Philly. And then when I had my great-grandmother's crib was up in another part of the city off of Cobbs Creek Parkway. We seeing this in all parts of the city. Right. Yeah. Right? This is, this is crazy. This is, you know, zombies walking down the street. Cars getting broken into. Can't have nothing nice. Somebody trying to take it. You growing up, you trying to juxtapose this to... I got a grandfather that's been a police officer in Philly in the late 60s. Oh, that's dope, <laughs> Coming up, you know what I mean? Yeah. My favorite aunt's a cop, right? Grandfather Policing came. is in your family. It's in my right, family. You saw it. So, so you it's saw the good saw. side. It's I what do. you saw. I do. Well, you saw the good but side and the bad side. You, you knew the truth. However, but I was still young and black. Right. And I still see officers out here doing crazy stuff, jacking up people that ain't the dope dealers, that ain't the drug, right. drug boys, right? They treat them with disrespect, right? How do you, in your mind, the only thing that seemed to keep me straight was I knew that's what I wanted to do. Right. And everybody will tell you, after three years old, I, I had just gotten out the hospital. I got this scar where I got burned by acid when I was a kid in the PJs. Get out the hospital. I remember being in the hospital around Christmas time. As I remember watching the Flintstones Christmas special and all that stuff. <laughs> 
So I come yeah. home early spring. My grandfather comes over with a box about, you know, say one and a half feet all the way around, all sides. In that box, he had two Philadelphia police summer hats with the little uh, band that was ventilated. Right, right. The gave me one, gave one to my cousin Janine, right? Turned me out. You knew what it was. That man. was it. That, that was, was the moment. dope for me. That, that was, was my dope. That's what I'm doing. So now, coming up, my grandfather, he had retired, had cancer. He lived with cancer for uh, Lysha McCullers, man. That dude was a vibe. Cancer sucks, man. Yeah, he, he was more, as a matter of fact, because he lived with cancer for Oh, man, I like how my he's entire youth, he man. Oh, my entire my youth man. Into, into my adulthood. I was, I was with the Air Marshals when he passed May 4th, 2004, right? So they groomed into me this police thing, right? My Aunt Michelle used to always tell me. My mom's, you know, my mom's Beverly, she was crazy with it. She knew I, I, that hat just suddenly disappeared because I wouldn't take that joint off for a long <laughs> she time. She made it disappear yeah, for I mean, a minute. It probably took a hike somewhere because after a while, I couldn't find that joint no more. But it, it was too late. <laughs> no, I had already got bit by the bug. Right, yeah. we'll, we'll check it out real quick. What, what I want to do, before we get too deep into that, because mm-hmm. we got some questions and he's going to get real deep on what's happening. I want us to jump into this yeah. icebreaker real quick. Okay. Uh, this is our attempt. We, we want you to get to know Mac a little bit. So as you hear his story and you hear his feelings, you begin to understand a little bit more about who he is yeah. historically, contextually. So, Art, right, run him through this uh, through this icebreaker for real sure, quick. For sure. Like, so we, we, we want to run through it so you can okay. get real comfortable. That's you know what I'm saying? With the audience, with the people, with, 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 with how we move. Uh, so the question, what or when was the first time that you remember feeling like racism? I can take it back to when I was 12 years old. Right. Yeah. You know, it's the first time I was riding a school bus. I was going to, I went to private school coming up, right? My mom, even though we lived in the Jacks, I went to, I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. Right. So I was in church school. I only went to public school a year and a half. I was always in a private school. So we ride in a school, Alhavertown, which is a suburb of Philadelphia. We ride the bus with the, with the public school kids from Havertown, most of them white, right? We on a bus. I had a boy from public school. His name was Mike, white dude. And then we had a Mike in our school. So I was cool with both of them. They get into a scrap on a bus one day, right? Now, my whole eighth grade class was three people, right? That's the graduating class. Yeah. Three people. Myself, another, well, another sister, a, a white young lady, and myself. I had the best grades out of everybody. So we get to the school. It's near spring. School's getting out pretty soon. Graduation's coming up, you know. I break up the fight on the bus. Get to the school. Bus driver coming to school. Tell the principal, look, there was a fight on the bus. This, that, and third. Everybody on the bus told the principal, look, this is what happened. Sean broke up the fight. Mrs. Faff, that was her name. She suspends me with the caveat that I couldn't make up any of my schoolwork. Wow. In my mind, even then, as an eighth grader, it calculated real quick. The school that we went to was at a church. The young lady, the white young lady in my class went to that church. They wanted her to be the valedictorian of the class. So because my grades were higher and everybody told her that, hey, Sean broke up the fight. He wasn't involved in it. She still suspended me with the caveat that I couldn't make up my grades. Wow. 
They wanted to pull your grade down. Right. So she could shine. That's and they it. had to do it in a way that was not. That's it. That's legit. the first time I can say I really felt racism hit me like a sledgehammer. Like, welcome oh, to being black. And that's. Welcome to being right. black. Welcome to Wild, wild black. black. Right. Welcome to Wild Black. That's a there great it intro. Is. <laughs> because that's cerebral. That ain't that ain't something that you you physically feel. That's right. something that happens to you that you gotta respond right. to. And plus you just gotta know it, because it's it's a ton of people who can be like, that's that's not what it was. Yeah. Correct. Why would they yeah. do that? Yeah. Why would you they know, do all that? The, all the rationalization, the the what abouts, the the well, maybe it wasn't that. Why well, maybe race you shouldn't always have come up, up the fight? Right, right. No, that's yeah, how you, you should have just minded yeah. your business. Nope. You sure you didn't you know sneak a punch? Mean? That's what they no, say. Exactly. It's crazy. Exactly. So that was it for me, man. And that's the first time I ever thought about being anything other than a police officer in my life. It's the first time I thought about becoming a lawyer. Okay, brother, okay. you made cool, cool, you made cool. all your dreams come through. Man, yes, sir. Love that. I've been very blessed. Right, so check this out. So what do you? I'm gonna hit you with one more before we kind of transition into the next section. But what do you love the most about being black, brother? I love the skin. I love that man. question. I love the skin, I'm man. You know, it's so powerful. It's so beautiful. This 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 race and culture of people runs the gamut from the lightest of the light to the darkest of the dark. We got all flavors. There's power in this skin. And if it wasn't so much power in this skin, they wouldn't be trying so hard to kill us. Right. That was I real. Mean that, yeah, that bro. was dope. I love that. I mean that. It was that, dope, bro. Yeah, like if well, we need to rewind. I mean that, bro. <laughs> we need to rewind. That, that, yes, sir. That's definitely going to be the snippet we you use know what? from an advertiser standpoint. That will definitely be on the next IG post. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's real. Because, that's man, real. that, bro, that was powerful. That, that was. I mean that, bro. It's it's the simplicity of what you said, but the depth of what it means. So much power behind it. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Oh, Absolutely. Man. My you man. had societies for generation gear up to kill us off with every horrible thing and manifestation of cruelty that they could. And we still here. And check still this out. here. If our listeners thriving. don't understand strategize the context of where this brother's coming from. Like, <clears throat> this is law enforcement. This is the perspective of understanding what that life, what that, what that, what that whole environment looks like as it relates to us, and that's the comment that comes out. All right, check it out. Um, today we're gonna we're gonna pull our our composition segment and our civil rights segment together. Uh, and and for those of you all who may be new to the show, the composition is just a written piece of work or a spoken piece of work that we use as the thematic for the entire show. So. These words, um, from the standpoint of understanding our relevance or context, you should hear throughout the episode. Um, and then the civil right or the civil wrong is just something that's happened in, like, current society that we are deeming right or wrong from black experience. Mm-hmm. Now, in all transparency, today's civil right or civil wrong, I honestly don't know how I categorize it. But we'll, we'll talk to, to that a little bit. So I struggle with that. let me hit you with the, with the piece. Um, today's piece is Who But the Lord. It's uh, written by Langston Hughes. And what's unique about, not even unique, nope. What I love about this piece is the fact that it was released in 1947. So that just leads me to believe it was probably written in 45 or 46. But as I read these words to you, it's going to sound so relevant for today. So I'm going to jump in. <clears throat> Who But the Lord by Langston Hughes. I looked and I saw. That man they call the law, he was coming down the street at me. 
I had visions in my head of being laid out cold and dead or else murdered by the third degree. And that's it. So even in 45, 46, 47, what Langston Hughes is telling us is that the mere sight of a policeman or a law enforcement officer or the wrong authority figure puts fear in him. The sight, not even the engagement, right. not even the light. He's down the, the street. But even more deep than that is he could have written that yesterday. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, right the, that's now. the hook. Exactly. He could have written that yesterday. So the, the question that it begs is, why are we, as a culture of people, so willing to allow structures within our society, institutions within our society, to thrive under the same ideological uh, white supremacist narrative without understanding how crucial it is for us to engage, advocate, and, and educate. I love that. And, and to put it back in order to educate, advocate, and engage. We can't, because we don't like the system and because we understand the cruelty within that system, because we're tired of dealing with that system, because that system is so large, because you're just one person, individual, family, uh, networking group, voting block, person that spends your money. Right. Why is it that we can't understand the power in all of those things in order to control this system yeah. and make it more amenable to people in general? I'm not just going to say black people. Right. Because it's black people black. are going to survive. Okay. We built all this. We like, going this right. That's what we do. The yeah. struggle is real and has always yes. been real for us. Yes. And that's what people don't understand. It hasn't gone away. But juxtapose that to the anger and frustration that if you want to go back to the talented 10th. Right. WDB Du Bois. That's it. Right. If we want to go back there, why is it that somebody is still having to preach to you the importance of loving your brother and sister and moving in unity? Got two shots. I get shout out to Eklund because she talked about that and value, valuing ourselves. Absolutely. And then shout out to Doctor Sakina because she talked about those precious moments that Langston Hughes talks about here. From the moment yes. you see the cop, yes, to calming yourself, being ready to interact with the yes. cop, and saving your life. So check this right. out. I gotta, I gotta take a pause for the calls for our listeners, right? If you have not heard the first few episodes you will notice that there is a trend or a commonality among the message that people are presenting. These are people with different backgrounds, with different exposures, different experiences. There is a commonality that we must connect to because it's the same message. The signal is strong. That's true. It. True. That's it. true. It's like a heartbeat. All right. So the civil right or civil wrong today is linked directly to that poem. Um, so I think this happened in Athens. There was a brother who was being arrested. I think it was domestic violence. Uh, but his, the rationale of his arrest is beside the point, right? And what happened was, as he was being arrested, his 10-year-old son was present. And his 10-year-old son was emotional, right? He was upset. Yeah. He was jumping and moving. He was fearful. He didn't want his father to be arrested. Now, we can speculate as to why, right? I've got my own opinions, 
you you don't have to be 25 to understand that the, the police are killing us. That's right. You don't ha- you don't have to be 42 to understand how racism impacts you. Your your recognition was at 12. Mine was at maybe nine. Who knows where this kid was? But what ended up happening was a couple of adults held him back. I'm gonna be very fair uh, because yeah. he was upset. Yeah. He wasn't violent. Or they attempted to. Right. He wasn't violent. He wasn't swinging at anyone. And what happens is, as a period where he gets loose, he runs by the cop. The cops used the word lunge. I saw the video. I didn't see lunge, but of course I wasn't there. So I don't even try to under, try to try to convince you that I know what happened. And you couldn't get a good view. You saw his head come in the picture. Right. Correct. And then a little Correct. bit later, you see his legs up on top of the car. Right. 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 And then right. Right. you know he on the ground. Right. Right. So with, his, with and, some, with and, some and, force. Right. Right. And, and what's important to say is he was also angry. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And, right. And right. I don't know why it is that black folks. When we start talking about these societal issues and how they affect us, we want to leave out anger. I think that comes from the nonviolent right. movement within the civil rights struggle. But you also remember that during that time, it was paralleled by a black power struggle. Right. Right. So those were two separate, two separate camps. Right. And it's all right to be angry. That's true. That's God right. gave us all. It's an emotion emotions. that we have. He gave we us the whole to be grand able to scale. Express That's that, right. That scale. So whenever yes. you hear, you know, in court, you hear lawyers trying to take away the fact that their their client was angry. Right. They'll say he was emotional. Right. right? Or they'll say he was upset. No, nah, he was angry. Right. And why doesn't he have a right to be he or she? Every, right to be everybody angry gets angry. Who would be as a human calm and feeling okay about what was going on? Right. Yeah. Well, well, let me let me ask you this. I want, I want to get your opinion on this. So, what happens as as the kid jumps by him, the cop ends up grabbing him, kind of pulling him into the car, and then what you see next is the ten year old boy pinned to the ground with the policeman around him. And things immediately get aggressive, right? The the cop immediately starts yelling for people to back up. Mm -hmm. He's pushed the kid down on the ground, physically holding him. And you hear those those words that we hear all the time. Stop resisting. Stop resisting. It probably is 10 years old. This is a 10-year-old boy watching his father be arrested and he's scared. What can a 10-year-old child do to you? Exactly. With no weapon in his hand. Correct. The cop doesn't kill him. Eventually, the cop lets him up. And, and part of what I deal with is have have we gotten so to the I'm point as a si- society that, that we're okay. that we call that a win right, he didn't because kill him. he didn't kill him exactly right. so well, well, first, and, and, first and here, let well, me say well, first we got to recognize that he didn't kill him mm-hmm. right right because some people would believe that killing him would have been justified, justified. oh they're gonna justify Which it every day all day right How I already saw comments why, why did the parents get killed person or that particular cop. Had a level of restraint that said, "I don't, I shouldn't kill this ten right. year old." But that still doesn't mean what he did really, was right. Let me I, no peep game though, right? Because really, if you notice the other cop, he didn't want no parts of that. I noticed he, he stepped, he, he stepped his back. His whole demeanor was, "Bro, you you doing too much." Yep. Right. At one point, he steps in between them. He does, and then when he's like, "Oh, help me," the other guy. He he kneels down and he kind of just puts his hand on him. Right. right? Yeah. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't rough him up. He didn't try to assist in cuffing him. It was none more of that comfort. stuff. He was trying to comfort that kid because right. he was angry. Old boy is out of control. Right. Right. So here, here's my question from a law enforcement as- mm-hmm. aspect because you've been there. What's your take on that situation? Right. Is that a civil right? Is it a civil wrong? It's a civil wrong for a couple of reasons. Okay, break it but down. But it's not a civil wrong. It's not a civil for horrible. which <laughs> only the police officers bear responsibility. Right. All right, in a situation fair. like that, that's fair. When you come on the scene, one, one of the and and 
I've, I've just got to be honest about it. One of the most deadly situations for law enforcement people mm-hmm. are domestic violence cases. Yeah. Right, right, because right. when you go into a domestic violence it's situation, while they already dealing with each other and they upset and they mad, if you put hands on one of them, the other oftentimes coming. the family will jump in against you. Mm-hmm. And plenty of officers die that way. Right. Right. But let me put this out there to say, the standard by which a court is going to judge an officer's behavior or supposedly is going to judge an officer's behavior is by the reasonable officer standard, right? Right. Would a reasonable officer have acted in the same way that this officer acted at the time under those same circumstances? Gotcha. Okay? Me, as a reasonable officer, I was a Border Patrol agent. We dealt with large groups of people all the time, Right. And oftentimes, if I wasn't working at my home station, which was a traffic checkpoint on I-5 in San Diego, right, San Clemente, then I was detailed out to Arizona or Eastern California, El Centro, maybe Thousand Palms out in the desert or or in the desert in, in Arizona, right? And I was young at that time, so all I wanted to do was work, work midnights pretty much most of my career over there. Because that's when all the action happened. Mm-hmm. So we dealing with, and we don't have backup all the time as Border Patrol agent. I might have an area that I'm working that's 40 miles wide. That's my zone. Can you do one favor for the, mm-hmm. for the listeners? Explain to them what Border Patrol is. Okay. And then how it differs from the police officers that they're accustomed okay. to. Like the relationship. So the, the premier difference is federal law enforcement agencies specialize in something. Right. So any federal agency, most federal agencies have a a police arm. Right. And they're either special investigators, agents, or some of them have uniformed police departments. Like the FBI also has a uniformed police department. The Secret Service also has a uniformed police department. And then they have the special agents that do the investigations and things like that. I hope our listeners heard that. Right. So. Mainly in those in those instances, the federal police that are in uniform, FPS, the Federal Reserve Police, they mainly do physical security. That means they're at whatever uh, entity or building that their agency is housed in. They do all the police stuff around there, right? Um, whereas a city cop or state police officer or a county police officer, they they county and state officers, state officers run the entire state. Um, county officers that work for sheriffs. Sheriffs actually also have authority throughout the whole state, but they're usually attached to a county. And that that sheriff's department is considered a state agency for all intents and purposes, especially if you want to bring a lawsuit against them. Gotcha. Okay. Um, And then you have your municipalities. Um, But Border Patrol does everything. Border Patrol as an agency is cross-designated for five other agencies. DEA, at the time, Customs, and a couple other agencies because we encounter all of those things out there. We can do reg- we do a lot of regular police stuff because sometimes in the areas that we're working, we're the only law enforcement around for 30, 40 miles, 100 miles. Wow. So we end up doing a lot of regular police stuff too in addition to our duties as Border Patrol agents. What many people don't know is Border Patrol has authority throughout the United States and usually exercise that authority within 100 miles of the border. And people will say, well, 
I was in Philly. I saw a border patrol agent. Yeah. Did, well, we don't have no border. Philadelphia is a city it's by a coastal. port. It's a coastal city. Yeah, yes, <laughs> right. You so you do have a border. So right? mm-hmm. a, can a border patrol agent, if, if they saw someone walking down the street drunk, can mm-hmm. they arrest you for public intox? No, that's not what we do. It's not that they can't. Okay, they that's can, but they do. just that's not in their scope. Right. Okay. We we try to stick to our stuff most of the time. So, but the way that we do encounter those things mm-hmm. is on a highway. Gotcha. Right? So say ah, say I got a a checkpoint, and we'll put up checkpoints in the most random places sometimes. Right. You'll have a checkpoint in the middle of nowhere. You be driving down the road on I eight going through Arizona, and nothing but you know how you see those old movies. And they always got in the background the mountains with one telephone pole. and then, <laughs> Yeah. And it's like that for real. That's not a game. It's really like that out there, right? So if we're at a checkpoint, you come up, roll up to the checkpoint DUI, or I'm on the highway working something else, and I see you all over the highway. You getting it. I got to go get that. And, and especially for me, because my pet peeves as an officer were drugs, hard drugs. I don't really, I didn't really worry about Marijuana, but we apt a lot of marijuana, apprehended a lot of marijuana loads because Border Patrol doesn't, you got a dime bag of weed in your pie, I could care less. My grandfather and my aunt told me both the day I got my letter, they both told me, listen, you're going to have a lot of power. Remember to treat people the way you want to be treated. And I think in my career, I, I really strive to do that. I don't know if I was perfect at it, but I didn't put my hands on people that didn't deserve me putting my hands on them. And I didn't get nothing out of beating on people. So I'm going to break it down real simple first, and then we can get into the complexities of it, right? When I was in undergrad at one of the schools I went to, (laughs) at University of Delaware, um, yeah, University of Delaware, I had a class that was about drugs, right? And I read a book called Drug Crazy for that class. And that book broke it down so simply, and it stuck with me throughout my time. That when America has an issue with any group of people, any culture of people, there's a certain mantra that they stick by. Before it was us, after they stole America. Right. Right. <laughs> it was Keep it real. It was the Asians that came over here to build the railroad and the opium dens. And white women going to the opium dens and smoking out and you know, doing what they do in the opium dens. Right. So what did what was the governmental response, the American male's response, was to they put on a campaign. They started talking about opioids and how they destroyed you, how they made you a devil, how they ruined lives. Right. Right? And they put that out there in the paper, kept putting out stories and stories and stories, right? So they turned public tide against you, right? And then... They go in and they start creating legislation because now that they've changed public opinion, get the vote. They can go ahead and get the public to sign off on this this legislation. And this legislation specifically targeted groups of people. And next it was the next it was marijuana. And that's what that's what Trump is doing right now. It doesn't change. This this game plan is proven to work. Watch over over again. It's effective over and over again. You want to move sheep a certain way you move them. When you look at this system, then you bring in the added fact of it's power in the skin. Yeah, it's power in the skin. When they brought us here as slaves 
and they worked us and beat us and raped us and pillaged through our, our families and separated families and degraded men and women and, and humiliated them. And then the same to the children. People without a conscience can do that, right? They've never seen us as anything other than an animal. Right, we are, we are, yeah, we are a resource. Correct. Their urges, their needs, their wants, and their desires. Which goes right. back to Because as much as you hate us, as much as you say you hate us, right, you want to dance like us, you want to sing like us, you want to you look like dress us. like us, you want to take our inventions and call them your own, right? Then you want to pass laws about whether you stealing and taking from us is legal or not. Right. That's then it. you want to create a system that's a fallacy. Right. And then you want to have us go to court and fight you for what we have. What's when you look ours. at the stature of the law and they say, well, you know what? A jury came back and a jury rendered this verdict. But you look at the jury pool yep. going back to act and, they yep. don't look and like none us. of them look like you. That's right. They, they can't they understand of where jury you duty. came from. They can't even understand the nuance in the situation. Yep, See, your experience. Black folks living in society, and we have to code switch, is what they gave it a title now, right? You code switch, yep. right? You, Alert, you, we, we talking code switching in a couple episodes. Right. Stay tuned. You know, we opened it up with code <laughs> switching, yeah. or context switching. So <laughs> the reality of that is we do it automatically, right? We because have to. It's we, we can't survive. Exactly. We can't survive in this world without being able to transition. Right. Even as the world grows, it doesn't change, right? Not for what, us. What, what's happening, though, and what I think white folks that still believe in that supremacy ideology, right, or they fear that the world is browning, right, and they're going to lose their stature. So you got 80, 70, 80-year-old men and women in Congress, in your local uh, legislatures, in, in the mayors and governors, and they're all right with the passing of legislation that's going to disenfranchise people. <laughs> right? They cool with it. Yeah. Right? Because that's going to keep their paradigm in effect. Yeah. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Throughout their lifetime. It's going to keep their paradigm yeah. in effect. Yep. So as we look at society changing, they can't stop the change that's coming. Right. Right? It's inevitable. You can't stop it. It's inevitable. As time passes on, the world is going to look more and more like people of color. Browning of because America. Because people that's love right. across color lines. Yes. Right? We, if we are compassionate. If you people, are human and you have empathy, we know humanity absolutely. As black people, and you have, we don't, we color. don't think about it as a commodity, right? For them, they look at our skin, they look at our culture, they look at you know all the things that feed all the social economic issues, all the right. things that feed the social. See, it's social conditioning, right? Just like the music today, right? As a parent, you sit back, you be like, listen, man, how you listening to this? Talking to your kids. Yo, for real, let me tell you about some old school hip-hop. Remember when I used to hit this in the car? You put something on for them, right? And it had a message. You might have some feel-good in there. Right. Right? But it was a message. But it was a message in there. into the whole— Absolutely. Yeah. Now there's no message, in my opinion. All right, so so check it out. You, I'm going to switch it again. You talked You talked help. Mm-hmm. And and I know when I, when I think about what black folks are wondering— from the law enforcement perspective, mm-hmm. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up, right? So no snitching as a policy, right? Mm-hmm. We, we know that it's in the hood 
We know we know that it's part of our culture. It's part of the culture. It's right. not just in it. Right, exactly. But where I think we see it even more, or we think we see it even more, is inside the police department. No, you don't think. That's real. Right. Okay, so. That's real. The whole blue wall of silence it's and all real. that. Like, how, well, how do we tear that down? How do we encourage officers to step around it to help change what's happening? That wall is not coming down on, on the side of not only the white officers, but it's not likely to come down with even the officers of color until they feel like they have the support of the community behind them so they can step out there and that the repercussions that they face, right? Now we're talking about employment. They need protection too. And you're talking about, right, you're talking about uh, retaliation for EEOC claims. Right. Right, or whistleblower protections, which Obama strengthened during his his administration, but he still left some people hanging out there. Right. I know a dude, dude that I work with, white brother, Robert McLean, came out. He was the one that that went on NBC. They were supposed to disguise his voice and told them that I the federal that. air marshals were going to discontinue long-haul flights, right, because they didn't want to pay for the overnights at hotels. Yeah. Yeah. I Man, remember it took that. that brother almost 12 years to get his job back, and now they're coming at him again. So you feel me? Retaliation. So until they feel like Robert protected. was fortunate in that he had a lot of uh, watchdog groups that went to bat for him and had lawyers for him and so on and so forth. His case went all the way to the Supreme Court. Right. Because the information he gave wasn't secure information. They sent it out on a non-secure phone. Right. Wasn't on our encrypted phone. Sent it on a non-secure phone over a regular data line. Mm. Right. So they went back and marked it sensitive security information after the fact and fired them. Wow. Grimy, dog. The game don't change. It's, it's, it's actually really deep what you just broke down. So basically it puts no, you're good. It puts us as citizens in like a catch-22. Absolutely. Because no. it's like we, we're looking at cops like there's no such thing as, as a, a good, good cop, cop if right. you're a quiet cop, right? right. But at the same time, We've taken such a position against police right. that they they don't have a safe place to go in this. That's moment. right. So and they now they feel like they, we can't be we can't be honest right. because where do we go? They still have mortgages. They still have kids. They still have families to support. Right. And if they get fired from a law enforcement job, you will not get hired anywhere else. So the reality is, it's no different than what we're talking about here. You have officers out there that are good, and you have officers out there that do good work. And they come into the community, and the community respects them because they treat them like people. Right. Right? Not animals. They see their humanity. Humanity. But the the reason that you don't see more from them is, let's say that officer that's extremely community policing-oriented, right? And he's dealing with a rough neighborhood, and there's a lot going on, but he's getting apprehensions because people feel like they can talk to him. Right. Right? So they catch him somewhere else. They be like, "Yo, officer, such and such, man, that was messed up. Such and such happened over here. This, that, and the third. Boom. He can now take that intel to the appropriate person, make the arrest, whatever, so on and so forth. They keep acting like nobody ever comes forward, right? This is the, the frustration you hear law enforcement. Well, why don't you fix your own community, right? Well, first of all, you ain't from this community, right? So who are you to speak on it? Because even while you're here you're not making yourself amenable to this community. Right. You're looking down your nose at this community. And that starts with the philosophy of policing that goes back to the slave catchers. 
Right. Right? This didn't just start today. The, I, they had to let black people on because of the civil rights and black power movement. Right? We were, they were sitting on a powder keg, just like they are today. It's coming to a head. Nobody is going to tolerate your continued abuse. And once the people realize that there are more of them than there are of you, and you can call in all the backup you want. That's the apartheid argument. You know, I agree with that. They're going to show you they're tired. Power to the people. Okay. And what I see is the issue is that we don't have enough people that are conscious, that are, are focused, that are disciplined, that can go in and build a grassroots unit that can move together, that can then go out into their community and build more units, right? Because you can't. The civil rights movement or the, and the black power movement, separate and apart, couldn't survive without each other. They had to really feel like there was a threat that, hey, if we don't come to the table, we're going to have this going on all over the country, and we're not ready for that. We can't have all of them monkeys out there. Right. That's where, that's where their head was. But then you were dealing with a different kind of politician back then, too. Yeah. Right? Because if you look at it, the courts— uh, was it Judge Hand, Learning Hand? I think he was he was a Klansman, if I'm not mistaken. I don't want to speak out of turn. There was a Supreme Court justice that was it was known that he was a KKK guy, right? But during that time, they did what was best for the country. Yeah, right. Now you don't see that. You don't see the government making moves to effectuate positivity for the country. Right. You see them come in and ascribe all the success of the economy and wrap themselves in that and job growth numbers and so on and so forth. Knowing good and daggone well, no, good and damn well, you ain't had shit to do with that. Correct. Right. That was, that built, was Obama's policy. Damn right. All right? And I don't built, give a shit how long you've been in the office. We going on two years. I don't give a fuck. That movement. You was did, built. What policy? Here's, here's the question I always get. Some. Oh, shit. What policy from 45? Can can demonstrate these numbers? None. No. Right. It was an accelerated policy. growth. Not one policy from fucking Obama. This tax policy is putting us more into a deficit. Correct. Go headed to which a trillion biggest, dollar which deficit. Which was the biggest fucking right. issue for any that, Republican in the which game. Which in the re- and that's, which that's, that's the, the worst recession we've ever seen. And it's coming. And then you want to talk coming. about slow job growth and stagnant job and yep. stagnant wages when Obama was in, but you forget that when he came. We were in the worst damn recession the country had ever seen. Since 1929. So now you want us to forget that part. Right. And forget how you said the stimulus package was going to ruin America, and it built everything up. You want us to believe (coughs) it's you and what you've done. Exactly. You haven't done a goddamn thing. The only law you passed was the tax bill, and that's fucked up. That's fucked up. And on top of that, ain't nobody seeing no— Look, that lady said she got $1.50 in her check. Paul Ryan sat his ass down. He had to. Right? He was out there touting her. Oh, this lady sent me a letter. She said she got $1.50 more on her pay, and that would pay for her Costco membership. Then motherfucker said, wait a minute, hold on. It's a fucking did this, $1.50. Did this motherfucker just say $1.50? $1.50. Fuck out of here. <laughs> Fuck out of here with that yeah. bullshit, man. Yeah. All right, check it out. So while we got you here. That's a great transition. I'd love to better understand the psyche of a black law enforcement officer, because you've got you've got a you are you were black first. You've always been black. You're gonna be black on your retire. And, and you, you've got a counterbalance. Like so, you never forget what's happening. Some people, some officers forget that, right? You got a lot of guys that feel like 
I'm on the job now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm one of them. And I'm going, they might have good intentions. They got intentions that OJ mentality. Right? They might have good intentions when they come. Right? right. They, they saw what I saw. They want to help their community. Right. Right? In whatever facet of law enforcement they're serving in. Right. They want to help their community. The problem is, some guys never had an, a self identity to start with. Mm. So they, right? they can't, the badge defined them they, as opposed to coming in by with the character. Uniform and a badge and a gun. Wow. Just like a lot of the white officers. Right, right. They, they, they think that the they became somebody and because the badge they got that. Gives them power. Right. But they forget that you got, my mother used to always tell me, respect is due to a dog. Beverly McCullers. That's what she always used to tell me. I'm writing that one down, too. Respect is due to a dog. And that's something that they really don't understand. And coming up in our communities, that's something you understand from an early age. Everybody got to get their respect or you're going to have problems. That's right. You know that coming up. Plenty of fights behind respect. That's it. And only respect. That's right. That's why when people talk, oh, man, they killing each other over this, that, and other. Well, let's think about that. You can't separate the violence that's going on in any of these communities where you want to have the police come in and act like uh, occupying force, right? Right. And it, they they police as if more aggression is going to solve these issues. Right. When we can clearly look around the country at places like St. Louis and see that that's not the case. Right. You can come out in whatever numbers you want. Get your Bearcat ready. Get your high speed, low drag SWAT dudes on there. Riding on the side of the joint and come rolling down the block. What's going to happen? Nothing. You're going to spray some tear gas. Right. Right. You're going to shoot some rubber bullets. Right. Or you're going to shoot somebody. Mm. And then you're going to leave. And that community is the same way. Only they hate you more. That's right. And and they're upset. They're pissed right. off now. The community is going to remain the same and have the same amount of hate. Right. And then they're going to have room for some more. Because hate turns into what I call fuck you fuel. Right. Right? I could be the, the skinniest guy in the world. Right? Right. But if I hate you but enough, I'm going to get my weight up. If y'all occupy my neighborhood, y'all just murder somebody else, now you want to come in here and tell me to go home. Right? I could be real thin. No gun. Right. I'm still ready to rumble. Right, right. I'm ready to rumble. I go to jail. I take that tear gas. I take them rubber bullets because you're not showing me no respect. Man, you, you said something when we talked the other day that I want to make sure you said on here. You were talking about when officers come into our neighborhoods, mm-hmm. especially white officers come into our neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and they have no handle on the culture Listen. The language, the behavior. Talk, do you remember that conversation? I do. Man, talk about that. I, I thought that was dope. This is something that I, that I, man, this has always been my issue, right? I got a couple of friends of mine that we talk about trying to get these in-service, getting our stuff together so we can start giving in-services. Because I think every police department should have cultural in-services every month. Right. Damn right. right. I think that you, and it shouldn't just be black culture. And you say you cultural in-service. They call when you, police You come training. inside, yeah, it's train the trainer training. stuff. In-service training in most departments. That's an economy right? that needs to be developed. <clears throat> Absolutely. So bringing somebody in that knows about this culture of people, why they talk the way they do, why they talk with their hands like black folks. The context. Right? It's not a threat to you. Of the people. See, because you don't understand the people where they come from. You don't understand that, look, you can't come into a grown man's house, tell him to shut up and sit down and his wife and kids sitting there. And they looking at right. you. He the man of that house. I don't care what your uniform say. 
You're not going to be able to get done what it is that you need to get done in that house until you get that man some respect you or it's going right. to be some violence in front of his kids. Right. And it ain't right? even— And, and it's it, not hard to come to that estimate. It's not hard to figure that out. So here's the reality. When you come into a community— it's because you came into that motherfucker right, with the wrong perspective. Disrespectful. Yes, with the you wrong didn't understand the people that you're policing. Correct. I'm tired of these departments pumping out, bringing these people in because nobody wants the job anymore. Right? The job has always been difficult. Right. Right? It's always been dangerous. Police officers accept what it the is. inherent danger of the job. Yeah. Right. But the problem is when nobody wanted to be a cop and you go back to Clinton's omnibus crime bill, they was paying people good money to come on police departments, but they should have never been hired. Right. Damn right. 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 Because right. they were cowards. One. Right. Two. None of them had ever been punched in their face. Right. Right. Three. They don't understand anything about the culture that they come into. You hire somebody from Iowa to come into West Philly. This motherfucker don't know nothing about West Philly. So, so no, they, he's they, scared of West Philly already. He's scared, scared about Listen, West Philly. And then here's they the, don't know the people. That's right. They and they don't care okay. about the culture. They don't respect it. Humanity. Right? And we already and know that's have, the worst thing you exactly. can do. Exactly. And you don't have institutions. That's, that's, a, you, that's why I told you I have a love-hate relationship with the institution of right. policing. Right. I love being in law enforcement. I helped people. Right. That's what I wanted to do. Right. And I'm not going to pull no punches. Right. If you deserve to get punched in your shit, you got punched in your shit. That's it. Period. Because no community can survive with complete anarchy. Damn right. right. No community can and survive that- with people that's running the community deboing everybody. Yeah. Nobody can do that. And everybody is built to stand up that's to the bully in the right. neighborhood. Right. And, 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 you, and, and, and so and stop hiring be. motherfuckers that ain't built to stand up to bullies. Yeah. Right? Because when they yes. built to stand up to bullies, they're secure in who they are. So you raising your voice, you calling me out my name, give a fuck about none of that. that Just don't put level. your hands on me and do what I ask you to do, right. sir. So cats who can handle that, they don't pop right. off. Shit if doesn't escalate. It's a motherfucking consequence. Right. Because I don't... If yeah. you're an officer, like police officers had a benefit of patrolling the same area for a lot of their same career, for their career, unless they shift to a different station or a different department. Regular radio car, regular police, mark police unit officers, some of them guys stay in there their whole 25, 30 years. Same neighborhood, in the same, same community. Same sector, same district. Philly, we got districts. Uh, New York has precincts. They got zones down here in Atlanta. Yeah. Right? So officers, some officers come on and all they want to do is patrol. They don't want to do no special operation stuff. They don't want to go undercover. They don't want to be a detective. They don't want to be forensic. They don't want to be uh, guns and all that kind of stuff. They just want to patrol. Cool. But if you're going to do that, what you need to do is park that car, get your ass out that car, and, and go the walk community. a block or two and talk to the people in your community. Holler at them. Ask them how they doing. Show them that you're not here to hurt them. You're here to help them. Right. Right. People can respect that. Yeah. Those officers get a lot of information. Right. People are because they trust you. They get right. intel. Even if they can't talk to you right there because such and such is watching. Right. Or, you know, Miss Betty. They know they can come to you and it's cool. Gonna tell, they going to hey, exactly. hit you with a DM. They going to hit you with an IM. They going to hit you. You know, slide yep. me that number, bro. With a bro. text message. Right. They going to hit you with a. You got some information for yep. you. That's because I'm way. trying to make my community better. Exactly. You, yep. you know, if you listen to some officers talk. All these, oh, man, these communities don't want to change. If they wanted to change, man, you go to their house, you go on a call, they doing this, they doing that. My question to them is, what are you doing while they're there? Right. Right? Because you don't know 
whether how you deal with this family in this in this tough circumstance, there are kids watching you. Right? Are you sowing something in that kid? Is it gonna be hate or is it gonna be respect or admiration? Love that. Right? You gotta put in the time. Matter of fact, in that whole situation, you the only motherfucker there that took an oath to protect and serve. Goddamn Them right. motherfucking people in their house minding their goddamn business. And you in their house. Your ass came in their crib. Yep. Whether, no matter what the circumstance is. These days, it could have been you got a call because little Susie selling water outside her crib trying to get some tickets to Disneyland. Right? And you show up all negative and nasty. Disrespectful. When they teach you to command a scene, officer presence, they tell you when you're in the academy, it's a thing called officer presence, right? It goes a long way. Listen, when I was working, uniform was always pressed, crispy. My brass always popped. It's like, it's your my brand. My boots always popped. It's you. I it's didn't a representation go out any of day. you. I stayed my fat butt in the gym every day when I worked. I didn't miss a day of going to the gym because I got to be ready. Yeah. I got to be ready. People depend on me. Not just the people in the community that I serve or the people that are going to be out in the middle of this desert, but my coworkers depend on Everybody me. Everybody depends on right. me. So if yo, I show up objective and is I serve can't, absolutely, that's, if that's, I show up and I can't help somebody, see, people forget that policing is it's a lot of power. It really is. But I'm it's so a lot of responsibility. For though. Elisha McCullers. Michelle, I don't want to say her last name. She's still working. <laughs> my Aunt Michelle, because they taught me that. And I went in with that, right? I'm a kid coming up in Philly. At the time, I was working at a parking garage trying to get on the PD in Philly because I wanted to be where my grandfather and my aunt worked. I had an application in in Wilmington. And I had my boy work for Federal Protective Service, called me. It was like, call this number, man. Go take the test. Got the Border Patrol. I ain't know nothing about Border Patrol. I didn't even know what they did, what they were. I'm an East Coast kid. I don't know nothing about nobody coming through the desert trying to sneak into the country. What do I know about that? But you got there. All right, so yeah, we, we got about five or six minutes left. I want to get through two more questions. And I think you know, everyone's important, but check this one out. As, a, as, as adults, as parents, we all want the best advice possible, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I can't think of a better source of advice for this question than a black law enforcement officer. And by Man. the way, LEO stands for law enforcement officer because mm-hmm. we've been saying it a lot. But for those of us who are concerned about our children, mm-hmm. our black children and their interactions with the police, okay, what do you tell your children? What I tell my kids is this. Listen, don't talk to the police. Plain and simple. The police are not your friend. If the police are talking to you, They're trying to get information from you. Mm -hmm. I don't care what they ask you. It's all about information gathering because when they get on the scene, they already have an idea why they're there. And they want some information that's going to sustain some reasonable suspicion. Right. Right. So in order to get the reasonable suspicion, they got to get some articulable facts. They're trying to justify even being there. information that I have to get the reasonable suspicion and from reasonable suspicion to probable cause. Right. How do they get there? By asking you stupid questions. Right. So we're answering fueling know, right. this 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 timeline right. for them to arrest us. Exactly. Because you're not talking your way out of getting arrested. Correct. Plain and simple. Once if I'm there up. and I know why I'm there and I have all the information I need, you get, somebody's you get arrested. Up. That's it. It's a wrap. I don't care what you say. Anything you say at that's a bonus. 
If I, now, as a criminal defense lawyer, I get in there, I see a long police report. You've been rapping, you've been talking, saying too much, giving soliloquies. You know what I mean? Same thing Eklund said. The whole nine. If I see a short police report, man, my listen, man, listen, my go. listeners, That's listeners, listeners, listen. listeners, please hear Stop this out. talking. I'm telling you. You are not required to help the police to do their damn job. And if they don't have any information from you, they can't do a daggone thing to you absent somebody else giving them information. Keep your mouth shut. Take the ride. Love Call me. a lawyer. Hey, people, you've heard that twice now on this show. Take, take, the take that advice. Please, Please take that blame, advice. Period. Please. If you say anything more than, am I being detained? If they tell you yes, cool. What do you have to give them? Your name, the correct one, and your correct birth date. That's it. After that, shut up. Shut up. They ask you anything else, attorney. One word. That's it. And stop talking. They're going to get aggressive. You're going to have a nice one. But it's, that's, that's all tactics. It's all of his tactics. Right? Trying to pull that information. Listen, and if you're in a group, everybody's phone needs to be recording. They're going to tell you, put your phone down. Nope. Try to take it from you. The next one better be up. Attorney. And one <laughs> of them should have dialed 911 so and let 911 know I'm being stopped by these officers. I need you to send a supervisor out here. And I want you to stay on the phone because I'm scared for my life. Hey, Eklund and Mac saving y'all lives right hey, now. That's what I'm listen, telling listen, listen, listen. While Black is giving you the 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 game of life right now. Hey. That's it is. It I call them survival seminars. All right, so just get home. You can't win a battle arguing with the police on the street. You can't you win. You can't win the battle you on the street. You can't win listen, that. Let me tell you something, man. So shut up. That radio right. that they carry in the city? You're going to have 15 cops on that scene in less than two minutes. Mm. It ain't like Border Patrol. I might hit through on the radio. I might not even be able to get out. I got to deal with whatever I have on the ground. And I get up top. I can get a repeater. I might be able to get a message out to get transport or get somebody headed my way. Maybe. Man. Sometimes you might walk in three, four hours to catch your group. Real talk. All right. So this this is what's cool about this concept of where, where you're going with it. You believe in the law. I do. You believe in the law. So if you're paying attention to this message, you must believe in the law, but you must believe in how you manage your personal responsibility, responsibility to the law. So if you're hearing a message that's pretty consistent of being quiet and just recording you don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. These are people who know please, telling you. Please and, and listen to it. T today's guest, Mac, was federal agent, right? Border Patrol, man. as well as this ain't, this U.S. Ain't. Air Marshal. Man. And on top of that, degreed, licensed, practicing attorney right now. We have evolved past right? just This is golden information. Indeed. We push right, we're, we're toward the we end. I, I got, I got one more it. question I want to ask. And I think I said this every damn time. They're all important, right? All of them. So we, we want to talk solution real quick. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is the best way for us to remove the bias or the racism out of this police system and fix what's going on? All right. So in the history of this country, they've never been able to remove the bias from anything. Right. Right. I don't think it's going anywhere personally. 
Institutions are built on the bias. Correct. In order to have a society that's hierarchical. The country is built on the bias. If you have a society that's hierarchical, they got to have somebody on the bottom to feel better than. Right. right? And to feed off of. But see, what we have to understand as a people is the ability to make strategic alliances, right? And we have to educate people about what and why those things are necessary, which is why this platform is so important, right? You get to your people. That's why, you know, if you listen to 444, Jay is dropping knowledge in there. He hitting them with it. Like, right? He's dropping wah. knowledge in yes. there. <laughs> yes. and, and you're not listening. You're so caught up in the beat, you're missing the message. Right? The only way that we make this system change is by force. And now people want to say, all right, well, what does that mean when you say force? We ain't going to pick up no gun and go out there. You don't need a gun to be forceful. I told you before, it's power in your skin. Correct. It's power in the cells in your body. Your presence. It's powers in the brain. Permeate our society. We are creative people. We set trends not only for the United States. We set trends globally. If you haven't traveled outside of the United States, get yourself a passport. Do yourself a favor. Read more. You always got a phone in your hand. You got access to information. That's the information superhighway. You can find out about any and everything. The most, some of the most brilliant people I've met in my life traveling in this world. I've been really blessed to see a lot of places. People who are well-traveled, bilingual, and read a lot. I'm not talking about reading trash novels and all that. That's cool. Sometimes, sometimes you need to escape. But you got to know where you came from to know where you're going. You got to read for education. That's right. You got to edify your mind. You got to edify your soul. And in order to do that, you got to be able to educate and then you advocate, right? So you got the people out in the street marching. That's cool, right? They creating the, uh, uh, they bring the issue to the forefront. Correct. Right? White folks don't give a damn about what you're going through. A lot of them. Because they can't not experience all of them. They don't experience They don't that. experience They yeah, can't even fathom what you're going through. Absolutely. So you got to have other folks who can't be out there protesting and marching. You have a job to do. Your job is to educate yourself on who the local politicians are, who your legislators are, who your mayor really is, what her office hours are, when are they having the next city council meeting, county meeting, when are they? Ha- who's who's the comptroller controlling the money in your the county? Bread. Right, yep. your school board, right? Because if you're not happy with the education kids are getting in your community, the people that control the curriculum are down at the school board. Yep, right. That's where you need to be. The state school superintendent's office. All right, making it happen. You get on there. You write letters. See, we got this thing. We want to tell you how we feel. Yeah. We're verbal. Right? We want to express our rage and our anger and Correct. cuss you the fuck out. Because we can Sometimes cussing you the fuck out is cool. It works. But all it did was make you feel better. Because some right. shit it just didn't change, good It didn't change the situation, right? but I but feel good. But it hasn't good. changed your circumstance. Right. How do you change your circumstance? How do you make the police chief stop allowing this officer to act the ass when he comes in your community? Right. Right? With no accountability. See, I, I love the law, but I'm bigger on accountability. We all have accountability and whatever shape and position you in in your life, accountability, be responsible for the things that you do, what you put out there, the message that you send, how you send that message and to whom you send that message. That's what your individual job is, because we got to stop thinking about individuals only. We got to think about how our individual moves affect our community at large. That's it. And then That's we got to pull our community together. Feel like we got to start caring about them people two blocks over, three blocks over. What are they going through? Hey, right. But you know. You know what? 
What's up? You hitting the group, you hitting you hitting the audience with a lot of real shit right now. Listen, bro. It's I'm a just, lot of this real is what shit I, coming out your mouth. Man, listen. And that's it's, it's wonderful. These folks, man, start there. Pull that community together. Grassroots organizing. If you don't know how to do it, there are so many people here in this city, right? Because one thing I found about Atlanta, and y'all may not like to hear it, but I'm going to give you this real dope. For this to be one of the homes of the civil rights movement, y'all folks scared as hell of a whole lot of shit. Stand up. Stand but, but, up. But this is the thing, though. When you got this vehicle to stand up or this 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 mechanism or this platform to stand up in, we're in a community where it's a lot of people that's going to stand up with you. Absolutely. It's about leadership. It's Absolutely. About that's it. Like what you're talking about. people that teach that. Strength. There are people that teach that because yeah. we're never going to be effective as individuals. Mac, I need, I need one thing from you, brother. What's up, bro? We're going to end in a second, man. I need you to hit the listeners with that stand up one more time. Stand up. Hey. On your own, too, and come together with your mans right there. With that sister over there. We got work to do. No more sitting down. Stand up. Yo, everybody listening. I I hope you paid attention to this. If not, go back and listen again. He he hit you with, with, with real information. Let's remember the community. Let's remember the power we have as a, as a as collective a people, people right? right? We we can move. You can as move a, stealthily can move by yourself, mountains. but you can knock shit down when you got your brothers and That's your sisters right. with like you. Mountains. And people are accountable. We spend more money globally than any other people mm. in the world. Mm. And we uh, had the least podcast. amount of power. Yeah. Spend your dollars as a group. Send a message. We can shut businesses down in two weeks without spending money with them. Easy. Period. Mm. Easy. Yo, all we need to do is make a couple examples. Stand a couple up. of them. Yo, rem- remember the power that we have as black and brown people. And vote. That's right. Embrace that vote. Fight yeah. back. Man. And we can change this narrative and this situation. Now, hey, I gotta say this one last yeah, yeah, thing. I gotta, I, gotta ha- I gotta ask you to, to hit our audience with your top three again. <sighs> Education. Educate, advocate, and engage. You can't do anything without those three things. You gotta engage this system. You can't allow the system to operate in a way that it's been operating for as long as it's been operating with no opposition because your ass got comfortable. Stand the fuck up. Let's go. It's time. That's yes, it. We overdue. That's it. Hey, Wild Black family, Man. it's been real again today. Ooh-wee. I hope y'all so Yo. this fat as Mac, I got to get it to you, brother. Family, I appreciate the invite, man. man real talk. We love it, bro. Peace. Peace.